Hello, hello, and welcome once again to the Black in a Minute podcast brought to you by Twyman Art. I am your host, Nero Angelo, and my co-host is also... For those of y'all who do not know me, I go by the Darks King Poet. That's dark skin with a G on the end. Yes, sir. Um, So, the topic that we are going to be talking about today is actually a very important one. Um, It's also one that I think is pretty relatable, especially to those in the black community. For sure. Um, It's a bit wordy, I will admit. I'll try to say this as nice as possible. I don't want to mess up my own title. So, (laughs) it's generational wealth and the retention of ancestral homes. Yeah. Gave me goosebumps a little bit. Yeah, we going there. You know, um, the reason I bring this up is because, you know, there are a lot of us who we may have grown, who I guess you could say we don't expect to inherit the home we grew up in. Yeah. Uh, Or rather, we don't expect to be able to financially maintain the home we grew up in. And as a result, the concept of an ancestral home is something that's kind of lost to us. And it is something that I think is not talked about extremely often, but it is a point of importance for us as a people, especially when it comes to the concept of black people in America who are part of the black diaspora, but have to kind of create our own culture because we are very distant from our native cultures. We don't really know what all we came from. We can try to find out. You can do your ancestry and things of that nature. But what we really know is what, you know, is what our mamas know, what our daddies know, what our aunties and uncles tell us, what our grannies, if we got them, tell us, what our granddaddies or great-granddaddies, if you're blessed enough to have them, if you do, please do cherish them. They are not only wonderfully beautiful people to have in your life, but they are also walking tomes of infinite wisdom. The griots. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. You know, um, and for me personally, um, speaking of uh, history, coming from a church background, especially an old church background, one thing that uh, my granddaddy always used to kind of kick to us is that it's good to sit down with the elders and ask a lot of questions and really as many as you can about how things used to be, how things were and how we, you know, where we came from, just because they are walking tomes of wisdom. And once that walk slows to a crawl and, you know, they go on to be with the Lord, you know, we don't, we don't, even though we're happy that they've transitioned, we don't have that resource anymore. Yeah, you lose out on the information. Yeah. And that, and that's key. Uh, a lot of these stories, you know, origin stories, a lot of times when we talk about the culture, especially when it relates to generational things, oh, yeah. a lot of us don't know the stories behind, you know, why are we actually here in this in this city, right. in this house, right. or, or even apartment? Like, why are we here right now? What's our story? I think knowing that information can definitely lead to inspiration to make a person want to do more with themselves you know we're in an interesting time now when we're seeing a lot of black you know billionaires and things 
under 30. Mm-hmm. There's a decent amount of us starting to branch out and break those generational curses. But, you know, and I say curses not not to chastise the shortcomings that we have had as a people, right. but to kind of put it into a more serious perspective that says, hey, these curses, just like any curses, no matter no matter whether it's Disney, folklore, mm-hmm. or whatever you read, there's always a way to break the curse. Absolutely. And I think I think the biggest thing about it is, you know, we always talk about like as black folk, we always do want to not only preserve our culture, but we want a piece of that pie. Like when you, when you sit and you talk to a lot of um, people who are members of uh, non-black households, not necessarily just white, non-black households, Color. they can come forth with a well of knowledge about where they come from, what their origins are, and they may even have an ancestral home somewhere, some place that they can go back to. You know what I'm saying? And and with us, we have the stories of how, you know, either your great grandparents or your grandparents managed to get that house or managed to build that house and managed to make it into what it is you see today or what it is you saw when you were a child and unfortunately sometimes and usually the story ends there the story ends there because once you know granddaddy and grandma or great granddaddy and great grandma is gone everybody else is either unable to maintain that ancestral place or they are not financially or geographically um, in the right position to do so because like, everybody's either been spread out or simply nobody has the capital to maintain it, you know, and keep things up and keep things going. It's, it's a not off thought about, but a very difficult and unfortunate reality, I think, personally, just because a home is more than just a structure or building or anything or the mortgage that you got to pay for it you know because them joints is high uh it's also the memories you carry with it and it's also all the things that you experienced in that home i've got like i i was raised by my grandparents i got tons of thoughts and just different memories of Mm. all the different things be it good or bad that occurred in that house and even with my great-grandparents home um which was actually recently put up for sale because it became dilapidated you know it was a moment um of reflection that i had when i walked back in there for what probably was the last time you know just looking around and imagining what used to be there imagining what you know what's going on in each in each room and everything and some of the mystery of different areas within the house just because it wasn't necessarily the home i grew up in but it was a home i knew of and it was a home that my grandmother grew up in so it's, you know it was a lot of things that you know as a child you question and you wonder about and to see all of that so fleetingly you know for various reasons i'm not gonna get into really um 
it is it is a different feeling it's a different kind of feeling um and it and it, and it does suck because you know a lot of us are not in our a lot of us 20 somethings and 20 something and uh, 20 somethings and approaching 30s in 2020 are not in the financial positions or not or don't have the financial blessings that some of our parents especially some of our grandparents have when it comes to home ownership and equity which also leads to wealth building mm. because as you know the for if there is anything that you have that appreciates in value or that you own that appreciates in value nine times out of ten it's your house that is your first symbol and sign physical sign of wealth Give my TED talk. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I ain't gonna get too deep because once Ted again, look, look, one, 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 one disclaimer: we are not financial analysts. No, we are not. This, this is free game. Look, this is free game. That ain't from experts. So. Nope. Hey. I, I, I'm, don't compare me to Dave Ramsey. I'm not on say, that wave. No Dave Ramseys. No Ramit Sadies. Exactly. Whoever your favorites is, we are not. Them. I'm not about to talk to you about a 401k. I we mean, do hope to be your favorites though one day. Look, I think listening. you should figure out how to get a 401k talk to an older person figure out how they got their stuff and get your retirement together i will say that get that set right now if not now right now mm. so that way when you are older and you're in your th- and you're in the 40s and 50s and 60s you didn't already got some you ain't got some moolah in there Look, don't be working just for nothing also read everything you sign absolutely everything you sign definitely um i would say you know I had growing up a kind of a similar experience. I just remember always hearing about, you know, being taught about actually in school what the American dream was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time period, you know, what that was was, you know, the big house, the nice car, yep. you know, being well off financially and stuff. And it wasn't until I had more of a concept of, our actual my family's actual economic status Mm -hmm. and then black people as a whole on the economic ladder that i really started to understand like man this really has been you know portrayed as a pipe dream for our people just because of poverty primarily alongside of things such as you know racism and white supremacy if we're being honest Mm -hmm. here you know here on the black in a minute podcast we keep it a buck that means 100 so with that being said, I think that was one of the things that always fueled me, especially not having, you know, what I viewed in my mind from television, mind you, as the perfect family dynamic. Right. There was this fire that was lit inside of me to say, hey, I got to break these curses. I got to be the one that, you know, has the big house. I got to be the one that has the nice car. Right. I got to be the one, you know that's married and all of this is that and the third right and i still think you know in general those are good concepts because you know one of the stories that impacted me as a child growing up that i heard was uh, my uncle told me this story about my great-grandfather who actually had uh, a farm of his own okay and was actually uh, uh basically a white man tried to essentially take his farm from him and you know my great grandfather ended up giving him giving him the deuce deuce putting him on his putting him in his place hey well and uh <laughs> something something fierce 
Look, you do what you got to uh, do sometimes, man. Well, you know, what, what the climax of the story is, is that uh, the local KKK, you know, had found out. And so they actually came uh, to the farm and, you know, pretty much told them that, hey, y'all got to get the hell up out of here. You know, pretty much are we going to we going to we going to slaughter you pretty much. Right. You know, and if it hadn't been for him making that sacrifice at that point, I wouldn't be able to be on this podcast. Right. For those of y'all who know me personally, I'm actually named after him. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. But that's right. Stories like that, you know, a lot of times all you got to do is dig deeper to find out what it means to be you, what it means to have the last name. That isn't really oh, yeah. your last name, but you know it's your last name, right? And and what that means. And when you go, you know, and when you go into the tree, and you, and you start to realize that you know, when it comes to uh, the growth, the health of this tree, right? You know, I attribute these things, these different assets and things, as, as leaves. We don't have any leaves. We're the tree that's stricken. It's like it's fall all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you know. When we talk about generational wealth, mm-hmm. what we're talking about is breaking a, a curse caused by actual man-made behaviors. Right. Let us be clear. This ain't no magic oh, no, behind this. This not. ain't superficial. No. This is real. And, you know, being that difference and that change we want to see financially, whether that be through investing. Yeah. You know, because we, we didn't really learn about investing in school. Um, you know, and I would argue, you know, in most black families, you know, money conversations aren't even really conversations that are had. Like it's like a touchy subject. Right. Um, you don't really get to have those money conversations. Or at the very least, it's not a free game conversation. Let's just say For sure. Like that. No one's no one's giving out no one's really giving out advice. Yeah. You know, like, in that regard. And and and, and interestingly mm. enough, you know, it's the little lessons that you would learn from the older folks um with me i always i came to an understanding of what frugality was at a young age because my grandfather was always the type to be like look you gotta you gotta save money you gotta know what things are worth so don't just go to one store and get something because it looked good check the other store see what it's worth over there and do that like i remember yeah. there was a toy i wanted it was either a toy or a game no it was a game i wanted do you not know we hit three stores bro we hit three stores just to see who had the better deal and and, and at the time you know you a kid i just want to i just want to get the game take it home we burning up a lot of time we talking to these people they looking at us like we crazy you know you can't haggle for a game you know as a child i'm thinking like man you tripping but at the same time you know what this type of game came from a man who not only worked his butt off to take care of his two daughters Mm. and to take care of his home successfully had a good home sold that good home that is probably still in good condition where to the point where the person who ended up buying it from him didn't really have to make any changes or make any renovations to it and then ended up getting another home built in the suburbs Ooh, you know lovely and and has maintained it ever since so you know there is obviously some credibility to it you know what i'm saying um the the thing about it was was you know i didn't realize what he was teaching me was always know the true value of whatever it is you want 
and and my great granddaddy's his was more simple he would just he would just come up he would just come up and see me at the church because see he was at he was in new hopes he was at the church that was like right catty corner to us like right next to us yeah. so he would he would come up there and walk up the stairs and talk to me and stuff and be like here he, he give me like five ten dollars or whatever and put it in my hand be like here save your money boy and he'd do this every week and I remember he did that like throughout the whole year and it stuck with me. I used to keep a stash, bro. Like I had the stash. I would stash it so I could have money to pay for video games because my grandmother used to hit me with the whole, look, if you want this stuff, you gonna have to pay for it. So hey. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I played it smart. I would stack up my money up until about winter time, maybe around this time or close mm-hmm. to Christmas because this is when I was too young to buy Christmas presents for everybody so I could just get what I wanted. Before Black Friday mattered. Right. <laughs> I could get what I wanted for real and I ain't had to buy for nobody else. There you go. Um, but... And and I was dedicated with it. I took that money out and I learned how to count it. I would count, I would count up to intervals of ten because I would have a lot of dollars, and then I put them all together and I would count it periodically to make sure that the that the money was the same. So I always knew what I had in my stash, right? Nice. So I, I so I, let's say I get about seventy five dollars made up, right? Because I would even save some of my lunch money on the side. Um, I would buy instead of buying like. A bunch of games and spending up all my money or if i had a hundred dollars buying two fifty dollar games i'd be like okay i'm gonna buy this fifty dollar game and maybe this 25 dollar game if i had a hundred and keep this other 25 and then use that to build on till next year when i, I want you. another game you know and it's just and, and, and you know that sounds small but it's just those little things that stuck with me that stuck with me about knowing the value of things and understanding the principles of wealth the un- understanding that just because you got the money to spend don't mean you just blow it on the first thing you see and just because the first thing you see looks good and it's got a nice looking price tag doesn't mean you can't get it for cheaper somewhere else facts one time for amazon speaking of that speaking <laughs> of that you know i remember um my uncle's main thing was like uh coupons and yeah. not buying unnecessary stuff so that's where a lot of my frugality came into play right 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 I, I swear this man was the precursor to extreme couponing they owe him money if y'all listening y'all owe him money he Bruh. did it first but look though did he, he was did, hold on hold, i gotta ask did he have a coupon bag he didn't have a coupon bag he just always had his little little wad okay. but not only that he, he was the master of rain checks. Some people to this day ain't never even had to use or put in a rain check. Right. Like rain check to some people, that's like a foreign thing. But <laughs> he was on top of that. This man didn't even buy garbage bags. He was always just using the plastic bags that most black people keep under their sink. Y'all mm-hmm. know who I'm talking about. Yeah. We all know this. Yeah. And he would use them for his trash bags. I keep them You know too. what I'm saying? <laughs> he never bought trash bags. Like there were certain things. He's just like, you know, he would always preach like, why would you spend money on something that you already get for free or that's a service to you? Right. But also, you know, so like things like napkins and stuff, he would always keep napkins. Hey, look, I'm telling y'all, we hearing these black stereotypes come up right now. My uncle had the napkins. He had the napkins. The y'all napkins know we from go the restaurant. The, from the restaurant, from the movie theater, look. Yep. And I'm snitching, I'm sorry. I love you, uncle. But he, <laughs> he had that wide, be like, go over there get them we need them <laughs> they for us you know what i'm saying but hey but because of that you know i feel that we was able we was able to save on those supplies and you know he always preached like you know you got to have a roof over your head mm-hmm. and food in your mouth mm-hmm. those are the main two things also stay out of jail but you yeah. know and he would also talk about credit and how you know 
there's nothing more important than your name. He would always say that. There's nothing more important than your name. I feel that. All you got in this world is your name, yep. your credit. You know, basically saying that this is what essentially is your value to other businesses that you come in contact with, that you will work with throughout life. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was his way of kind of instilling that in me through those habits that I watched him do. And a lot of those things I still do to this day as being more of a, you know, if we're using labels, I like to consider myself what I call or what has been called a minimalist. I don't like to buy a lot of unnecessary things. And usually when I do treat myself or buy myself stuff, it's always after I've already paid my necessity, my, you know, main necessity bills. And the reason why these points matter now is because in order to build the generational wealth, you have to have a strong foundation. Absolutely. You got to be able to be the saver to actually be the investor. Yes. Yes. You know, and you got to have these things in play. You know, I used to think that the only thing that you needed was a will. You need a trust too. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I used to, I used to be afraid of these different kind of things, you know, when it came to stocks and bonds and stuff like that, because nobody yeah. talks about them. No, no. And, and, you know, once again, we're not financial experts. We're not going to talk about how to get you out of debt or anything like that. But we at least want right. to seed in your mind that tells you, hey, you know, maybe I could be more conscious about my spending. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe I don't need that PlayStation 5 because I know a lot of y'all went and got it. That yep. Xbox what, Series S, I know a lot of y'all went and got it. Yep, or Remember, got it on order. We are in a pandemic. <laughs> Leave that stuff alone. You don't know when the shutdown going to happen Man, again. have your money. We might not get another stimulus. For real. Let that stimulus help stimulate your savings Ooh. yes indeed i like that i like that and with that being said we're gonna we're gonna take a pause for a word from one of our sponsors sponsors and we're back uh yes thank you for uh taking the time to listen to our wonderful first commercial um, wonderful absolutely marvelous 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 excellent but anyway back to the subject at hand um an interesting thing that you were talking about earlier uh, really kind of cued into me, like the fact that, uh, you know, what was it you were talking about with your uncle? With uh, the credit being, you know, yeah, your, your name, your being name your is credit. your credit. Yeah. Um, one thing that cued into me on that is that one thing, another thing I learned from my grandfather is that you don't necessarily have to pay somebody in money in order to make a fair trade for something sometimes you can just owe somebody a favor or have them owe you a favor you know you do a nice service for them and be like oh no no i don't need payment just no uh just just get me when i come back you know what i'm saying like uh just be like okay so you help fix my tire okay or i help fix your tire right and you looking at me like okay so what do i owe you it's like oh don't worry about it bro it's like i get you next time it's like i got you this time you get me next time so maybe something stupid happens to my car and maybe you know more about cars than i do and you happen to fix it and you'd be like that just be the favor you know maybe we go out and get something to eat when my car finally worked you know it's 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 a the barter system is one of the most age-old things in our culture and in human culture civilization and i think that's another thing that's good to understand is that 
goods and services are exactly that they're goods and services you can pay people in goods or in you know uh physical constructs like money or in you know certain things like uh different capital like look some folk work for food so that's another good or you can pay people in services when it's like okay i hook you up with this or i do this for you um and you do this back for me i've, I've actually experienced a couple of those things even just in being in music you know um one interesting thing that I learned, uh, just on the side note, about when I started to try to make shows and, and, and set up shows and everything, is I learned something interesting from my grandfather in the way that he did, um, like, I guess you could say a cultural exchange with other churches. Um, what we used to do all the time, like, way before Rona hit, way before, you know, a lot of this stuff, because it doesn't happen as much now, um, you know, most churches will have an anniversary for their pastor and their wife, right? You know, and during anniversary time, usually be like, nowadays it's more like a couple days or a day. Uh, man, back in the day, I'm telling my age, it used to be a whole week. You know, it used to be the whole week. And each day, each different um, office or auxiliary in the church was set up it would be up to them to set up the activities or the service for that night right so you know the choir might have one night the the uh the deacons might have another night sunday school might have the other night you know and each night you would have a different speaker a different guest speaker like a guest preacher that would come in and talk right okay and usually their church will come in and support them. So the way my granddaddy used to do it is, you know, it would be a revolving door. So he'd have a couple of his homies that would come up and would speak on certain days. And if they came up and spoke on certain days, then when the either earlier in the year or later in the year, that next year, when their anniversary come up, he'd go down there and talk to th and, and, and do their service for a day. You know, do one of their days. Gotcha. And it would go in a cylindrical fashion. So we always kind of had that same more or less basic lineup of who was going to be on each day because, you know, they always knew what it was each year. Sure. And, 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 and like I said, we would support. So that's another version of the barter system. I actually did that a lot with shows where it'd be like, all right, you want me to come on your show or you come on my show, then uh, if you end up doing an event or something, then you can hit me up and I'll come do a feature on your stuff, you know? There you go. Or something of that nature, something along that line or something to that nature. There's a lot of friends that I've made through doing that. There's a lot of good people that I've met, and I'm sure you can say the same. Um, Definitely. That, you know, I've encountered and become really close friends with through that. And in a sick way, that's kind of how me and you linked up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Through the, uh, through the, I guess you could call it, our own little chitlin circuit here in Evansville, you know? From 200, uh, I think from about 2015 was when things really started popping off and things went from there. Yeah, uh, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Especially when, at least here locally, there was a, a lot more teaming in terms of, you know, local artistry. Yeah. Networking, networking, networking. You know, I used to kind of sleep on networking, especially when I first uh, came on to the scene probably about it's been about seven years since i've been doing poetry and spoken word yeah. and speaking and you know at that time i was really to myself i was like oh, i'm a i'm a poet and that's the that's the lane that i'm gonna be in mm -hmm. if you rapping i don't want to talk to you you know <laughs> I, I was just like in my own space right and you know it, it took me you know branching out and getting to 
you know, greater heights and even just a bit of progression that I've had to understand the concept of getting familiar with people who are doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and are doing a far uh, better job, um, right. a who are seeing more fruits from their labor than you are. Right. You can you can learn from them to you know enhance your skill as well as enhance your your business you know practices because there's definitely a business to this stuff that we do right yeah as much as we hate to admit it uh and honestly for me that was that was one thing that i kind of had to learn myself because i was i wasn't necessarily that bad but i was of the mindset of i'm just doing music for me i'm just doing music for me and my homies i'm just and if i do a show if somebody show up then cool if if people don't come that's cool too like for a while for the longest time i didn't even do shows i didn't do shows until about i want to say about five years in so 2015 was when i really started doing certain things really in public and performing and stuff and and it wasn't until later that i really got into like planning and like trying to come up with things but like you said networking talking to people networking doesn't mean that you got to walk around in a business suit and have a have a card with your name on it and three numbers and two they websites and all kinds of stuff let those cards hit the floor i collected so many business cards Boy. that i gave out just so i wouldn't have to reprint them because people <laughs> threw them down on the floor and free game free just game. so y'all know look hey but you know and if that's your lane you know that's fine that's fine there's a time and a place and there's an area for that there's a audience for that as well there's there's folk who there because there are folk on uh, another side who won't talk to you unless you got a card unless you got some sort of physical uh merchandise that they can identify you by there are certain folk who are like that someone like your followings you know very sizable yeah you know your your influence essentially Mm -hmm. and you know some of you may be wondering why we're bringing these topics up when we're talking about generational wealth because i think where a lot of people miss the ultimate point Mm -hmm. is the foundation a lot of people don't got the foundational knowledge to even start to build the house yeah. you know i you know i like to talk in analogies and stuff being being a poor by trade is very easy for me to get into my metaphorically speaking bag but right. uh, you know that that's that's the key like before we can get to the al part of generational we have to start with this generation exactly right that has to be our our, our start spot we got to start with us the work begins with us and as we continue to learn and grow, we will pass that on to the next and to the next. We create the chain. We create the uh, the cycle of events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cause and effect kind of kind of game when it comes to these things. You know, establishing businesses. You know, getting your LLC. Right. And all of those kind of things. You know, it all starts from a conversation. It all starts from being open and willing to talk to people because I'll admit it, I'm more of, I guess I could say I'm an introvert and an extrovert at the same time because I'm kind of situational with it. Um, I'm not as introverted as some people and I'm not as extroverted as others. See, I I have reasons, okay? No judgments, no judgment zone. Spoiler episode coming soon. 
bro facts but um but you know that was something i had to learn i had to teach myself that like it's not that i didn't know how to talk to people it was that the sometimes the hardest part about this and i know all my introverts are gonna are gonna be with me on this the hardest part is approaching somebody mm. it's just walking up there and nothing up and just saying what you gotta say and being like hey this is how i feel this is, my name is such and such it's nice to meet you i wanted to talk to you about a couple things if you got some time right you know and you ain't even gotta go that deep it's sometimes you just start a little conversation there were so many times that i just started regular conversations with folks before i even got into the business side of things and then when we got comfortable i'd be like oh yeah let me tell you about this idea that i had yep you yep. know and some of them it did bear fruit others it didn't or maybe it didn't bear anything tangible but i got the dialogue through i got through the hard part you know what i'm saying hey you touched on something right there and i and i, and I want to highlight it mm-hmm. um when it comes to following your goals and aspirations chasing your dreams starting a business you have to be willing to deal with confrontation oh absolutely that's a word that you know often gets you know twisted in only a a negative aggressive manner but uh, confrontation is simply facing your fears. And if you fear change, then you fear growth. Fear is a necessary evil when it comes to success, and so is failure. Those are two Fs that we have to get accustomed to mm-hmm. if we're really trying to build generational wealth, if we're trying to pass these down to our children and our children's children and so on. Mm-hmm. Those values that are a part of what we're talking about here are the tools that you need to use to not only fix yourself up, but put your offspring and your relatives in a good position to do such as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the time is running out. So I'm gonna I'm be quick about this. Um, another thing that I learned that just goes along with networking is you also have to maintain a certain disposition, a certain level of consistency. And that goes back to what you were saying about your credit. Your name is your credit. So if you want things to work for you successfully, if you want to have um, a situation where you can build wave gen- uh, build wealth generationally and you can work with other like-minded people because nothing ever starts by yourself you are not a monolith no great person is a monolith you know every great person had a lot of other folks and a lot of other minds and a lot of other hands behind them all moving towards the same direction facts so that's one thing that you kind of got to get out of your head it's not just you versus the world it's you and whoever you can get back with you going against the world because nobody ever does it alone um not to sound too cliche but um one thing that i have noticed just in my time and i think you could agree with this too just in your time in uh being in the show scene and dealing with a lot of people is that and i even learned this from just being a church musician honestly is humility and consistency are two things that'll get you so far like I, I've talked to older musicians. There was one who was a director of USI's guy named Thomas Brank. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, he's not over there anymore, but, oh man, I gotta link up with him one day. But one thing he told me, he said, you know what? I would take a mediocre musician who has a good disposition and a good attitude over 
a perfect musician with an ego and i'm not directly quoting him but i know that's something he definitely said and the reason that is is because um especially in the game that we're in uh i should say it specifically your id runs free in in the realm of music in the realm of entertainment in the realm of anything that involves you standing on a stage and speaking your mind ids run rampant if you don't know what an id is read the book i'm not going to explain that to you today um but you have to reel that in and be able to control yourself and compose yourself in the right way because as we know we live in cancel culture and cancel culture has been, been around a lot longer than we give it credit for. Mm -hmm. It's just become a lot more prevalent because of social media. The but internet. The, yes. The simple fact is you have to maintain consistency because the moment you slip up, there's always somebody waiting to see the cracks in your armor and to rip them open and show what they believe is the real you, you know? And yes, I understand we're human, we make mistakes. There are gonna be certain things that you're not gonna always be consistent on. You're not perfect, we know. But you gotta maintain it as best you can, at least in the public eye, because that's gonna do so much more for you. You know, those little altercations or issues that you wanna have with somebody, weigh the scales and see if it's worth it those moments where you want to go off on somebody in a show or at an event or or whatever it is you're trying to do this professional weigh the scales and be like is this going to benefit me or do me any good not even in the next 10 years in the next 10 days you know is somebody going to report on this and they decide they don't want to deal with me no more i've i've because I've, I've had events that i've tried to invite people to and i've literally had people ask is such and such going to be there who gonna be there and depending on my answer they may or may not show up they don't know anything else about the event they don't know anything else about what's going on but just because that i guess you could say morally inconsistent individual may be in attendance and they don't want to deal with that over supporting you they won't come okay all right and you know what what i'm gonna add to that is just the main keys here, listeners, is as simple as this. You have to be consistent about the things that you want. Mm -hmm. What a lot of what Nero was talking about there at the end, you have to have some poise and maturity. You mm -hmm. have to be able to build rapport with people. People do have to like you. Yeah. You can't just you can't just, you know, be a dick the entire way through. <laughs> Think about some of the people that we see in the world who are those people. Sure, many of them do have money. There is some truth to that in, in the form of assertion. Right. But don't get assertion mistaken for aggression. Also, remember, still sharp and still. Surround yourself with like-minded people who are either at your level or doing better than you. Yes. You know, Yes. it's weird how we only apply these dynamics when we're talking about business. You got to apply this to all forms of relationships, whether mm -hmm. that's dating, friendship, the whole kid and caboodle. As people say, I just wanted to put that in a pod. I really did. Just to see if it'll roll off the tongue. Right. And, you know, most most importantly, you know, maintain a level of consistency. Know your goals. Write them out. If you do tell somebody, because we, we have this thing where we don't want to tell people, tell someone that's going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. But also somebody who inspires you to do more. Sometimes we tell people who will hold us accountable, but don't see much in us. Right. So it feels it feels like complaining. 
It, feel, it doesn't feel like constructive criticism. Surround yourself with like-minded people who are doing better than you. Reach for the stars. Stay consistent. And be a good person to others. Absolutely. They may find you useful, and you may find them useful as well. You're never in this alone, even when you think you're doing it alone. Mm-hmm. And lastly, and this is just one thing that I was told since day one, and I think some people can uh, agree to this, is that, you know, you can be anything in the world if you put your mind to it. I wholeheartedly believe in that. Oh, yeah. I wholeheartedly believe in that. So if you believe in generational wealth, I hope you believe in that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and bring this to a close. Um, before we do get out of your hair, we're going to go ahead and give a few shout outs to once again, shout out. Art. Um, also drum for enlightenment, the drum for enlightenment collective. And be sure to check out Jerry's Corner Market. It is an active work in progress. It is on 936 Justin Street, Judson Street, Evansville, Indiana, 47713. If you come out there in mass, bring a mask. <laughs> that rhymed as a bar. But um, additionally, the number one question we always get from people is where can we listen to the podcast? I swear, man. Where are you at? Where where, where can we hear you? Yep, yep. Um, and we're on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, Deezer, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're trying to get to our iHeartRadio, and which one is the one that's kind of holding out on us? You know what? I just got the word that we got iHeartRadio, so that's okay, one okay, more. Okay. Tune in. Looking at you. Mm. Get it together. Speaking of such, I did have somebody who did question me whether we're on Podbean. Are we on Podbean yet? Podbean. I don't think we're on Podbean. Uh-oh. That might be the one we missed. That okay. might be one to add. That might be one to add. Yep, we might we we might see about that. So, yes, do understand that we are listening when y'all bring us concerns. We do love you and we do appreciate y'all, and we want y'all to listen and get this good word. So, absolutely, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, so long as they aren't toxic, we are open and welcome to them. Please let us know what we can do. And for our Apple listeners, please do let us know when we are live on Apple Podcasts because we do not have iPhones and we have no way of knowing unless you let us know. So without further ado, thank you so much for being our captive listeners and tuning in for yet another wonderful week of the Black in the Minute podcast. We love you. Love you. I appreciate y'all and have a good night. Peace. Peace.